0: Welcome to The Train Rush, your furious Twitter argument of train game podcasts. Brought to you by Craig Taylor and today, Joe Reese. So, yeah, it takes a lot to kind of bring this podcast out of hibernation. And there was some rather exciting chat on the internet over the weekend around uh, visuals in 18xx. Now, it's not mandatory that you go and look at this stuff. Before we get involved in the conversation, as actually I couldn't really be less interested in the argument per se, but more the ideas and perspectives that were surfaced by it. I think there's some interesting grist for the intellectual mill there that we could work through in our uh, bakery, Joe. I believe that's where you work grist and <laughs> mills and things.
1: Isn't it? <laughs> actually, my my father was a baker, but I didn't follow the family tradition.
0: Oh, disappointed. You could have you could have used it. No, so, so I'll do a brief introduction. Joe has been on the podcast before, helped us with, um, he's one of the guys who actually does the proofing, uh, listens on double speed because he has the brain the size of a watermelon, a, a fully grown one. And I bounced a lot of ideas off Joe, so it's, it's
1: great to have you on Joe. Um, you briefly mentioned that I've been on the show before, um, but that episode hasn't, actually been released yet has it craig but i hear you're working on it at this very moment
0: indeed indeed so i guess just a brief introduction just in terms of the context of what we're talking about and why i've invited you on the show joe
1: mm-hmm.
0: well i wanted to talk about art in 18xx and some some ideas that boil off the back of that but i wanted to invite somebody who took i won't say a polar opposite. View to it to me because my view is kind of a little. I don't want to say nebulous, but it floats around a bit, it's carried by the wind. I've you know some some days I will feel one one way, some days I'll feel another. I'm still exploring it. Whereas I think you are more kind of locked onto a certain um, mindset at the moment. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah.
0: Which isn't the same as mine. So I figure that would make a more interesting conversation having somebody on who just basically was going, yeah, yeah, you're right, Craig.
1: <laughs> you're completely wrong, Craig.
0: We'll see, I guess. Joe has been playing eighteen XX games for X years. What's X, Joe?
1: Oh, I don't know. Not a huge amount of time, but a fair amount of time. Three years, four years? Something like that. So
0: Longer than me. Longer than me, yeah. Joe. So you can be you can be the expert today. No, and... no, no, no. <laughs> and Joe has been modern gaming for a similar length of time to me, I believe. So it's not like Joe is just an only 18xxer i think we both bring that perspective of have played modern board games previously came to 18xx after playing other productions have been through that journey well let's move on to subject matter i guess everybody will learn who you are through how you feel about this so i think it's probably appropriate joe that we do as as much as i say i don't want to talk about uh, any conflict or bad nastiness etc bad juju unnecessarily Hmm. i think you need to at least provide context right so um and
1: so what happened at the weekend what happened that stirred you out of podcast hibernation sure
0: a guy who i actually have a ton of respect for the content he generates um in terms of quality and actually just to a certain extent you know passion in the sense that thinks thinks deeply before produces a thing efka of no pun included put a tweet up online so the context efka at the moment is to my understanding research in 18xx uh to provide some primer for general gamers um, as to what 18xx is what it isn't you know how you might you know, how you might get involved in that world right
1: and i think that's 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 a really good idea i don't, I don't know if there is a you know a a comprehensive introduction to a wide range of titles and uh, out there at the moment. I d I don't know, maybe
0: Ambi, who uh, does videos, does video parodies of
1: various songs. Um she did a series, didn't she? Was that on the dice tail, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, of intro 18, intro to eighteen XX videos. Uh, I think are a great value. The thing with Efka is Efka has, um with No Pun included, Efka and Elaine have a very big audience. And as such, you know, them producing Primer gets eighteen XX in front of a lot of eyes so for me yeah I think that's broadly positive so Efka in doing his research he put a picture up at the weekend of 1846 and um stated uh, stated a view on the art I mean didn't I guess it's fair to say didn't particularly like it and then some debate was born off the back of that sadly um It led to Efka but again, this is my understanding of Efka's response. You know, like I say, happy to talk to him directly, and I'm saying this in good faith. Efka ended up being um, somewhat overwhelmed by the nature and the tone and the volume of some of the response. I didn't see it all myself. I can only basically be honest with you, I'm terrible at Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Unless I'm directly tagged in it, I barely see it. So, you know, the conversation therefore went on over a few days. And here we are now, having had a wide range of conversations around approachability, about accessibility and even gatekeeping and how eighteen XX art well, to be fair, you know, I'm talking about it like it's all one thing, but how the art of some eighteen XX titles feeds into that.
1: Mm.
0: And I figured, you know actually let's, you know, eighteen XX does have a reputation for looking somewhat austere, or if not austere, not like other board games in, you know, in the last like five years. It doesn't have like a modern production look and we can argue that a second you know like yeah sure we'll give definitions of that in a second and it'd be interesting to talk about why and it you know from from our views like i'm not claiming to be an authority on this stuff but by the same measure you know we've both sort of uh, expressed our level experience and uh, to a certain extent our preferences and yeah just explore that space right like it's 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 interesting to me hopefully the, the result in chat will be interesting joe
1: well, I hope so. I hope so. You have invited me onto your podcast. I hope I can bring some value to it. We will see. Uh, you, you already are, Joe. You,
0: <laughs> you already are. It's, a, it's much more interesting than monologue already. I tell you that much. Right. <laughs> so let's define the art of 18XX by art. In this, you can argue that a game design in itself, you know, the rules, the presentation, the mechanics, that is all part of the art. In this podcast, we're strictly talking about what's printed on the stuff. Right yeah you know as in what ink is laid down on the paper and the collateral concerned i'm okay. not to, I'm not talking about mechanics or you know what a wonderful flourish that was that the that the doubler trains rust you know how inspired oh, no i'm not saying that i'm We're just talking strictly about how this thing looks when you're playing it or when you're appraising it from across a a, a room
1: sure so the box the board and the various printed components i'm guessing yeah
0: yeah sure i mean that's that's let's focus it on that so to track back to one of efka's or more point my understanding of one of efka's points was he felt that the you know the existing art was an impediment to new user adoption okay Mm -hmm. so broadly for the purposes of this discussion i'd like to call that approachability Okay, is the game jarring to look at? Is the game does the game feel like something you can engage with?
1: Is it is it uh, what are you trying to say? Is approachability is it a game which kind of I don't know catches your eye, draws you in, makes you feel <laughs> welcome to play? Is that yeah, that's is that what well, well, you're
0: saying? Kind of, yeah, but what I'm struggling with is the you right because approachability. Will be different things to different people because approachability is kind of born out of aesthetics as well, right? And we all kind of take it for granted that you know, that's that turn of phrase here beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I don't mean the D&D creature, I'll use that pun now. So, with that being said, I mean approachability by a wider audience.
1: So, I mean, what does a wider audience want?
0: Well, we'll have to make some assumptions here, right? Like, we've both been parts of wider audiences. We know people in wider audiences, um, not necessarily the same audience as us. So I would argue that a hobby gamer audience would want, you know, would feel more comfortable engaging with something that looks more ornate. Okay. Than more ornamentation than the typical 18xx game.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I and, and,
0: and I don't mean it'd be smooth to play. I don't mean once you get going the ornamentation'd be great. I mean as a walking billboard, I I I think you could argue it's a mainstream view that something that's got an ex for what better term, an expensive art package will attract someone from across the room more so than something that looks inverted commas more akin to a prototype. I mean I'm using quotes here I've heard you know lambasted at games i've played so this is i'm not just making this stuff up
1: yeah yeah sure so i guess it's it's something that you could potentially hang on your wall is that is that, is that what you're trying to say is what you well, think that the general the general kind of gamer would would like or would like games to aspire to is that, yes is that, I, th- yeah. I think
0: i think we could say with reasonable comfort there's a trend towards fetishization of the artifacts in modern board gaming at the moment otherwise the big name graphic designers and artists wouldn't be you know used with such regularity you know why would if it wasn't a checkpoint or a hurdle for shifting lots of units no one would pay for art Alright? Mm-hmm. and let's let's just from direct from direct observation do you feel joe that games look let's say more polished more ornate than they did 10 years ago
1: yes definitely almost without question do you think this is grown out of a need to make this toy you know we're playing board games to make it more like a piece of artwork to be taken more seriously i don't know or is it just going hand in hand with uh, higher quality printing techniques and graphic design Uh, it's just moved on with what is, you know, what we what we're able to do now with computers, etc. Partly, partly, I also
0: think it's an arms race, in the sense that board games are more expensive now than they used to be. Partly a product of inflation, but actually, I think even if you adjust for inflation, you know, euro games, by example, have got more. You know, the average price points got higher, and as such, if people are releasing games with better art, you're probably going to be more predisposed to look at those. On a blind buy, and I'm, t- I'm not talking, of course, most you know, you and I are both research consumers. We'll go and read reviews and we'll judge it on the basis of me- mechanics and mm-hmm. player experiences, and if we can trial it somewhere, we will, but actually. If something looks nicer than the other and that's the tie break, then I'll buy the one that looks inverted commas nicer. And it's hard to have this conversation because this in some ways because we're talking about subjective things. Nicer to me.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because people often talk about a game having beautiful table presence and you kinda of think like what what do they mean or why is that important and just kind of wonder where where that comes from really that you know our our brains make aesthetic judgments and there's the golden ratio which is kind of hardwired into our brains and we have subconscious associations with different colors so there's something there inside our brain isn't there but at the same time and in complete opposition to what i've just said I found myself caring less and less about how a game looks. And I've been thinking, what, what's happened to me in the last 15 years? And I was thinking, like, I've moved away from a lot of material goods. It's more about the, ex- the experience itself over the, the artifact or the thing, the object which creates the experience, okay? I don't particularly care for how a game looks as long as it is functional and actually allows the experience of the game to
0: flourish there's some local values in there joe right Mm -hmm. for instance to some people how it looks is part of the experience like it's a more significant part of the experience to them than it is to you
1: sure sure
0: and i also think that some people engage with a hobby in a different way but by that i mean the board game collection where only 10 percent of the games get played that's mm. becoming more and more of a common thing. So if the thing is going to be an ornament on your shelf that you may take out when you initially get it to sort of scan it for want of a better term. Then you want it to look nice, and I think some trends
1: in board game visuals track that. But I think so. I understand it's like uh, it's like having a nice collection of LPs, isn't it? Of the records and having that physical product, having that the the artwork and it's all about the artifact, uh, not all about it, but is as much about having that collection as much as it is experiencing the music. And I guess for some people, that's that's the same kind of thing with board games. Yeah, uh, it just yeah, just <laughs> it, it isn't for me. But
0: I think I think we can both agree though that the ownership experience is defined for many people by more than just the play experience. So you can see how we've got to a place where where great quality art you know i'm trying not to second guess myself all the time <laughs> i'm just gonna say great quality art is now part of the standard offering um for better or for worse it's kind of what people have you know in modern board game audiences have come to expect now
1: has it but- become the standard or have we had a lot of really beautiful games and now everyone's pointing at the standard looking games and saying what are you doing why isn't your game
0: like this game well okay if we want to talk statistics i guess numbers it's not the standard because more people will play monopoly uno and chess than engage with modern board gaming put together five times over right Mm -hmm. so and all those games actually look pretty basic and they certainly don't have you know at all doing the art so you know you got to remember, right? We're talking about subsets of subsets of subsets here. You know, you've know, you got gamers, someone who knows what a board game is and may engage with it once in a while, versus hobbyist gamers narrowing down into heavy gamers, narrowing down into 18xx gamers. And don't get me wrong, you can have multiple identities and do all those things, but the participants in each of those sub-communities is a lower headcount, right? So... I mean, so, like I say, I guess just for ring-fencing it purposes, I'm talking about the hobby game industry. Because, like I say, if we flip it on its head and we talk about the ab- abstract playing audience, they would have absolutely zero interest in more ornamentation. They'd be looking to strip stuff off the 18 x exports
1: <laughs> Yeah, possibly, yeah.
0: So you've got to kind of, uh, to a certain extent, scope it. So we're talking about approachability here, right? And so, we, I think largely we've talked about aesthetics, right? If you have more ornamentation, less ornamentation, you're trying to go for a certain style. Styles go in and out of fashion. I know Eno tools are darling right now, but you know there was a time when um, that fellow at Mayfair, he was he was doing a lot more, a lot of work. Still is doing a lot of work, but people were talking about his work a lot more.
1: I'm trying to think of the artist's name. I don't, I, I don't know if you skipped over it because you've completely forgotten. Oh, name. oh
0: I, abs- I absolutely have, but it's okay. It's not a Euro. It's not a Euro podcast, and as an 18XX podcast, <laughs> I know someone will tweet the name, and it will be fine. So there'll be a detail orientated chap who will um, uh, Clemens France. That's the one. Thank and
1: you. And he he did the artwork for uh, was it 1844 54? There you go. There you go. So we tied it. We've tied it back to the the train gaming.
0: I should know him on that basis, shouldn't I, really? Um, but I, just to be clear, I think aesthetics are a completely different thing to graphic design, right? We just said that aesthetics are kind of personal and they're subjective. I think, although graphic design, there can be preferences, I think you can be slightly more objective about graphic design. Yes, those numbers are clearer. Yes, that table layout is, I think, more logical. You know, Or that table takes up less space I need over there, so that's a better place for it. It doesn't you know, squeeze the board so much i think those are both aspects of approachability and i think actually they're both areas that 18xx as a as a as a art form <laughs> could definitely stand to look at improving and in all fairness over ge- generations for want of a better term generations of games has continuously changed albeit keeping some core pillars along the way so i don't think as a community where i say we're I don't feel like the people I've spoken into the community are rabidly anti-change.
1: No, I don't think so. I think there is don't change what works, though. Don't don't mess it up, because these aspects actually really work. Don't try and reinvent everything again, because actually, you know, this has been a standard... Fairly standard since 1830, and it works.
0: We will blow that out into full detail, but I broadly agree. I think it's just you shouldn't conflate the audience not wanting to throw what's gone before out of the window with scant regard as being completely hostile to change. Although they might be on the same continuum, one is you know it's, it's kind of one's an extreme view the other is kind of you know one's conservatism one's fascism you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, th- I think it's unfair as well to lump in like i don't know all train gamers as train driving fascists yeah. um they they don't want anything to change they want everything to be how they liked it and they don't want people coming in and messing up their beautiful branch line. Um, I think that's a really unfair. Um, yes, I agree. Viewpoint here, yeah.
0: and even as insiders, we should be careful not to do that, right? Because this answer will absolutely vary um, individually, as we're probably going to evidence between our viewpoints. Joe, in all fairness, like there is no one view on this, but there are. There are. I think it's worthy to discuss what things I value. You know, what things have gone before, and what standards I feel are worth retaining. And you can honour a standard, you can respect a standard, you don't have to be hostage to a standard, right? And I guess that's... Well, unless you do. Um, <laughs> the, other def, the other key word I'd like to define, if that's okay, and then we can kind of go kind of free, free-wheel if for want of a better term, is accessibility, right? Because it did come up in the conversation. And I think accessibility actually is, is interesting... I'm not I'm not trying to pick bones out of of the wrong word being used but I think actually some of the accessibility is a brother to some of the aesthetics piece we have to kind of consider the impact of changing aesthetics for increasing ornamentation versus accessibility so accessibility essentially is minimizing barriers to play loads of barriers for 18xx loads of barriers for board gaming generally Uh, to you know to play board games you have to have time to play them uh the the longer types of games like heavier games you have to have longer time to play in one sitting that's a huge luxury it's not one you necessarily have to fix in the it's not not one you can necessarily fix it's not one you should fix on an individual title basis if a designer wants to make a game and it demands a long window to provide the, the experience then that's okay as long as there are other games out there that you know that people who have less time luxury can participate in and have a you know a good quality of experience
1: yeah and i think also if if you speak to just the general public or you know i've had conversations with just colleagues at work and and just the thought just the idea of sitting down even just for, try to say just for four hours to play an 18xx game it seems ludicrous. It seems absolutely ludicrous. I, th- I personally think time
0: is the is is a big barrier. Um, up until recently, the biggest barrier, in my opinion, was actually distribution of these things. You didn't see 18xx titles in stores. So if you weren't aware of it, or you couldn't buy a copy to play with your group, unless you were fortunate enough to live near an 18xx group and to kind of make your way into it, for want of a better term... You had no access in the in, in the in the truest sense. Oh, okay. I'd like to go to the cinema, but it's not one within two thousand miles of me. <laughs> yeah, guess I'm uh, yeah, sure. watching on my
1: phone. You know, um, I guess I guess 1830 may have had wider publication and distribution, but then that kind of ties back into the time. You know, 1830 is going to be a longer title as well compared to I don't know 89 which, well, you had to go to great lengths to get 89, here in the UK especially.
0: You're right, you're absolutely right. Having the direct order in a lot of these cases, direct order's all well and good if you know it exists. The thing that we value about bricks and mortar stores is they essentially are living libraries, albeit capitalism-driven libraries, where you can go in and see these things and be made aware of something that you didn't know existed before. And you say about eighteen thirty being available 1856 was available massive print run um to the point of virtually ruining mayfair i believe (laughs)
1: yeah yeah. but the
0: thing is 1830 also spent long periods like you're talking you know numbers of years out of print Mm -hmm. so it's all well and good it being in print now but it'll be in print for about 10 minutes and then it won't be available again so on the on the new market, other issues. I just want to sort of tie this one in. The games aren't cheap. They're getting you know they're getting cheaper, but apart from core titles like 1830, because of the nature of how they up until recently were being made, you have to you know you would have to pay more than a euro game price to pick one of these up. Especially for us, Joe, like you say in the UK, having to import it. And if it wasn't actual money, you had to spend. Well, time is money. So you'd have to, if you wanted to print and play this stuff, you'd have to buy the equipment, learn how to use the equipment, use the equipment. By which time, importing the game actually seems like reasonable value.
1: So yeah, there's lots of barriers. Do you think? Sorry, just going back to what you were saying about distribution. Do you think it really matters once once you become aware of 18XX? Once you know it's you know you've heard about it. Either through friends or you're listening to podcasts, um, it doesn't take much to Google and seek it out.
0: You're a digital, na- you're a digital native. You see, that's the problem. You're sure. digital native, as am I. You have to. Ch- I've read a few um, posts from a retailer in the UK. I think he heads up the UK Retail Consortium about the value bricks and mortar stores add mm. to um, gaming communities and increasing the audience size, and. I, I, you know, I can track back three years, and I remember when I didn't go online to look at games. BGG looks like looks like a fossil. I did back then, and as such, my experience was, what can I pull off the shelf and look at? And I think more people do that than we may think.
1: Yeah. Okay. I guess I have to admit that I'm the kind of person who, once they, once I really get into something, I will track down every piece of information about it. I will listen to. Every available podcast around that particular subject, so maybe I'm not the best example here.
0: What's the best pod? What's the best podcast that doesn't release episodes you can listen to about 18 XX? <laughs> well, that's obviously dual ga- that's obviously Gage, isn't it? But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> the, but the last, but the last bar I want to talk to. Quickly, oh I, yeah, sorry, sorry, I, sorry. I derailed you slightly there. Oh, don't give them free advertisement. <laughs> they're, they're too good and they're and they're extant. Um, no, um, no, I agree with your point there. I think you're talking to a certain extent of structural gatekeeping. I don't think it's by design, but um yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll come back like, to, we'll does come it, back does to it, that. Does it
1: matter? Does it actually matter that they're not in the shops? Because they are available. You just need to know where to look. I
0: totally think it matters because okay. if you if you hear about it, but you can't. And you're told that, oh, the cheap one is 18... The cheap and good one, inverted commas, is 18.30. Go and pick up a copy of that. Mm. And then you can't. That And is obviously a barrier, surely. We can agree that.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. It takes a certain motivation and energy and perseverance to track these games down, I guess, yeah.
0: Visual clarity is the last barrier I want to talk to, though, because I think that's the one that's relevant to the rest of the chat, right? The rest are worth mentioning... And I'm not saying it's an exhaustive list, but the other ones were mentioned kind of to 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 give examples of non you know art barriers for want of a better term. But visual clarity for people who have uh, vision impairment, who are specifically maybe colour blind, maybe can only see high contrast presentations, people who are losing their sights. That is a potential barrier for playing games full stop. And specifically for playing ATXX and I would actually here's a I guess a point I would posit, right? The traditional presentation bar the colour sequence of the tiles isn't is actually pretty good for visual clarity to my understanding. And ornamentation done poorly could serve to reduce accessibility
1: yes yeah i mean when i think of accessibility this is probably you know the main the main thing that would come to my mind is in terms of can you play the game by the way it looks or is there something about this game that's actually stopping you from playing the game
0: indeed and there's some other pieces in there around and i I, although they are from different causes actually some of the um, solutions are very similar about neurodivergence you know some people can't process when the board's too noisy they literally can't process it and they need reduced versions of the boards for want a better term with more basic art
1: I guess it's the challenge isn't it it's the challenge that Ian O'Toole and uh, Cleb-
0: Clemens Franz that's it
1: yeah, yeah yeah. I guess that is the main the main consideration well I hope is the main consideration is how can we be accessible but also like I said approachable I guess
0: and do you know what the industry, in its in itself, in the wider sense, has been taking leaps and bounds with this, you know, considering accessibility of games, a second encoding for colour blindness, representation, for argument's sake, in um, in, in games that represent, uh, you know, that have um, avatars and personas, all these things, we've improved so much over the last few years. I'm not saying there's not more to do, but the point I'm making is it's definitely become more of a consideration for graphic designers and artists. And that's a positive thing, you know that kind of awareness of accessibility and you know for one of a better term, a moral imperative to make games more accessible, but I think ultimately we live in we don't necessarily live in a world of ideals we we, sorry. we don't live in an ideal world, we live in a world of ideals, mm-hmm. so in theory, I'd like my game that I design in inverted commas, commerce to be available to everybody in every language. But actually, to have it translated to every language on the face of the planet would would bankrupt me. And some languages it would sell in, and so others it wouldn't. So 100% accessibility, although, is the kind of the moral ideal. It's not the practical ideal. So, you know, we're all living our lives, trying our best, we guess. Um, so let's get specific now. Let's talk about 18xx. 18xx visually, although... People talk about it in one lump. Whole 18XX looks like this. It's actually gone through major changes, or significant changes, through its lifespan since 1829, with the Heartland Treefall presentation. And um, all the way through Mayfair, with 1856 and 18, 1830, Avalon Hill, mustn't forget them, all the way to current day, and we'll we'll end the timeline with um, Grand Chunk Games and their yet-to-be-released, already-designed 1861, 1867. I remember touching my copy of 1856, which I received brand new from an eBay auction, unopened, and the thing was delivered on, uh, yes, yeah, serial cardboard and perforated edges with Pretty shoddy ink application, inverted commas. You know, it's. Did you need to
1: cut out your own tiles? I don't know if that was.
0: To be honest with you, my memory is not that perfect. I think you needed to push them through, they were perforated if memory searched. Okay, they were, okay. As opposed to punch board, you know, you kind of die cut where you punch them and it's just held on by two, like three or four tiny little bits you can't even see. This was kind of like the old, oh, look, you've got a face mask of Batman on the back of your cereal box kind of thing. Um, The point I'm making is. It has, you know, the presentations have evolved, has time gone
1: gone on. That, that, that's, uh, sorry, I guess that's more of a component quality rather than...
0: Oh, yeah, of course, it was, an ex- it was an extreme example. Like, although people like thin tiles, no one's bemoaning the fact that we now have ones made in Chinese factory by Panda that are a little bit thicker and, you know, a tiny bit thicker... And... I, I don't
1: know, I think you might find some people bemoaning and they do prefer their laminated tiles but anyway, I'll let that pass Oh,
0: indeed, sure Fine. <laughs> I, I agree with you, you've got the whole conversation about parallax effect
1: Yeah, should I talk about parallax? Yeah, sure It's the combination of your line of sight and how you can read the board in relation to Uh, the position of your eyes and the height of the table. So with the tiles in GMT's 1846, for example, they were like the thickness of uh, chocolate digestive biscuits. And so the visual comparison between the track on the board and the track on the tiles uh, can be distracting. Plus, the thickness of the tiles can obscure uh, the markers for bridges and tunnels, uh, which will be hidden behind the tile itself. So, I guess this ties into what we were saying about visual accessibility. But
0: on the whole, no one's hearkening for the days where it was serial cardboard, right? You look at AAG's 2020 stuff, or even AAG um, All board Games' Is titles like you know the the presentation of 1822 there's differences between that and the deep Thought games design language that was actually very similar in terms of timeline you know the aag design language is influenced by the dtg design language mm-hmm. the deep Thought games design language but it's not hostage to it it's just a case of it hasn't taken too many risks but that has made optimizations for me it's been a story of optimizations as the years gone on as opposed to outright seismic transformations
1: yeah 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 definitely i mean there are various p kind of redesigns redraws which have been more experimental and
0: for the record the whole redraw community people like carthaginian putting their putting putting work in uh you know, our friend greg smith um doing some redraws jonathan wells etc i'm sure there's some people there i'm neglecting to mention i apologize now there's been some positive ideas thrown in from those communities. Now, not always universally well-received, but that's you don't get to refinements without trying some stuff. And if you're not charging people for the stuff, inverted commas, then that's probably a reasonable place to try it. I mean, I'll give you an example of two published products, okay, where change has been attempted and didn't go down well with the core community. And then maybe we can talk to the why it didn't go down well with the core community. Lookout Spiel stroke Mayfair's printing of 1830 wasn't particularly well received by some of the purists on the basis that the map was too noisy in terms of ornamentation and that the actual map, the base map for one of a better term, featured skeuomorphic track. So even if you did use the double sided tiles that the game kind of came with in their sort of black line track mode, you were left with kind of a mix of skeuomorphic and black line track, very minor issue. But the bigger issue was there was enough that the art across the board was integrated enough in the play space. I want to say mixed into the play space really in such a manner that people felt it was distracting from reading board states and board positions.
1: I think it's important to note how much information is actually conveyed in your standard or traditional 18x design. But if we're looking at the tiles, for example, we need to know whether there's a city or a town or how much revenue your train will pick up at that revenue centre. There's the reference number of the tile. Can the tile be upgraded? What colour is it? And most important of all which which direction does the track allow your train to run and i know you say it's a minor point and i know i've previously said the look of the game doesn't matter for me but even when you're playing with the traditional tiles on the 1830 board it's such a jarring look against the so-called pretty track which is embedded on the board and you can't remove that so i guess i do care about the look of the game if it's an obstacle to the experience it's supposed to be enabling Um, i know that there were some improvements between the mayfair and the recent lookout version values in the stock market for example were, were adjusted so you can see them when there's a token on i guess that's more of a graphic design um, oh, kind of definitely. Point.
0: There was definitely graphic design review in between. So I remember being on the mailing lists where questions were asked and solutions were posited. So, mm. you know, I'm I think not, even, was, even that product it itself has evolved between editions.
1: Mm. Um, it was interesting I, because I there was a, a, an enormous thread on 1830. Lookouts or a member, you know, an employee of work, uh, Lookout, I can't remember who, sorry, posted a thread just saying, you know, what changes would you like to see to 1830 when we reprint it? And there were so many ideas, lots of people producing feedback, but in the end, it seemed like they weren't actually willing to or could afford to pay for a complete redesign or just didn't think that the advice was given was, was, was valid. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but basically we pretty much saw the exact same thing come out with a few little bits tidied up in the most recent print
0: and and some typos retained um (laughs) oh really okay (laughs) but um yeah i think the double o tiles don't actually have double o printed on the the reverse on the classic track side and it might only be one double o tiles it's it's something incredibly minor i didn't even notice it until it was drawn to my attention um so we can we can disagree with the scale of how important that is. And the reason I'm kind of nebulous on it is because initially, I quite liked the 1830 Lookout production. Still kind of do, but I will admit, having played it in my house with less than ideal lighting one time over the course of a few hours, I actually started to realise what people were flagging. It's quite hard to parse that board.
1: Mm. Um, it's quite dark, isn't it? And... It's quite
0: dark, and over a sustained period of time, it was yeah, I could definitely tell the difference between playing that and playing something with a more f- toy town inverted commas I'm joking being, a vein of primary colors and clean white spaces a more i suppose I'm, I'm probably going to delete toy town I, what I really mean by that what what sorry. <laughs> no, no, right. what, what I really mean by that is use, using strong primaries and white spaces, so yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean using it's, a more austere a, austere palette. Oh, but sure. bolder colors, you know. I I found that easier to pass because actually I didn't have to spend the extra ten percent time trying to peer at the board and work out what
1: was happening. Uh, I, I guess this is this is kind of what we're talking about, isn't it? It is that sitting at a table and being able to pass all the information, see it clearly, and also not give away to other players what you're thinking about, because if you have to really peer across the board and look at a particular tile or a particular hex or a number on on the stock chart you know you have to lift off the component then it kind of starts to give away actually what you might be planning and actually there's a lot of value into having some very clear information so that it's it's right in front of you you don't have to oh can you can you tell me what the value of this is or, or whatever i agree with
0: that and that's in the one-off context when you're just playing a game i actually think when we'll talk about the value of clear presentations and the system and standardization mm. in other contexts as well i want to circle back to that but you can take it as read i agree with you that there is value in being able to parse something and if you want to introduce ornamentation Absolutely fine, you know. Like I say, we, I think we both appreciate the visuals of Irish Gauge, but Ian O'Toole has managed to add very minor ornamentation, for want of a better term, reed texture and um, line work outside the play space without inhibiting the ability to easily parse. And, and unfortunately, eighteen thirty failed to do that in many's perception, and I think that feeds into the reticence of of the core player base right as it as it currently exists it's okay feel free to tr- you know it, i get that you want to try and make this sell to more people but please keep it highly playable from my perspective uh, don't 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 ruin it inverted commas <laughs>
1: yeah and, what is the value in attract attracting a player to a game who's then going to actually struggle to play it the oh i see what you, I
0: see what you mean oh if the what you're saying is okay, it's an advert for hamburgers, yes, it's a great advert for hamburgers and lots of people coming in, but now they have to eat the advert, and it tastes and it and it tastes and it tastes like wasabi, oh. Yeah, okay, a bad advert, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's like um, cereal adverts. They use, like, PVA glue, don't they, for the milk? It, yes, it lo- yes. <laughs> you know, it looks delicious on the box. <laughs> maybe maybe that's a, a fair comparison to 1830. That's a good mess for. That's a
0: good mess for. <laughs> it looks delicious on the box, but you don't yeah. want to play it. Yeah, got it, got it. What I'd say about
1: 1830, just to go back to that again, it looks kind of like a pirate map, doesn't it? It looks like a you could find treasure on that. It, it looks I really
0: like it. I like yeah. it as art. I re- I love it as art. But I'll admit that it doesn't provide the ideal play experience, right? But I love it as
1: art; ah, you could hang on your wall. But if if I approach this thinking that it was an exciting pirate adventure game, <laughs> but I don't know—is it mis-selling itself? I don't well,
0: here's here's the bigger issue with 1830, right? And why Avalon Hill editions, well, part of why Avalon Hill editions still seemingly fetch a fair buck on the second-hand market is because if I am an inverted commas a Serious player, and I, d- I don't mean that with any judgment, I'm just using it as a means of discussing the core audience. Who wants to have it looking austere because I'm a serious person and I have furrows on my brow? Um, I don't actually have a choice of which version I buy new. No. I've got to get the 1830 Lookout Spiel one. Hmm. I can't get the basic one. I can't get one that looks, you know, that's essentially looks like an Excel spreadsheet, ultra clear but, you know, ultra austere. I can't buy that. So, of course I care about the one that I can buy being able to meet my needs. Yeah. And and that's, yeah, I guess that's part of it. I mean, let's, let's give another example of where you know, where things can go wrong and where they can go right. If you look at 18 Up, okay, that game is just the tracks, okay? And I think actually it's kind of a caricature stroke poster boy or how to do it right because although it's just cards, right, <laughs> And there's no board Lonnie has made it approachable to new players who feel they want to be you know dripping in theme Mark Teske is uh of gaming moguls you should just go go listen to them um go listen to them but not the episodes I'm on because they're embarrassing um he, he actually will only play on the skeuomorphic track side because if I'm gonna play in Lilliput I'm gonna really play in Lilliput with the cheesy track and everything whereas most people I know who come from an 18xx side would rather play on the on the classic track side and that's okay because you can cheaply provide both right Mm.
1: i was reading the other day i can't remember where i read it someone so sorry if i don't give you proper credit for saying this they were saying they were playing with their um their child actually and and their child said, after a couple of games, "Should we, should we just play it on the, the, you know, the basic side, Dad? Um, because <laughs> cause it's, it's far easier to uh, to see what's going on." <laughs> out, quite... out,
0: of the mouth of babes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I quite like that anecdote. I, I can't remember where I read it. So, if you're listening, yeah, thank you. That was that. That made me chuckle.
0: Uh, it certainly made me chuckle as well. The first time I've heard that. But that's a, another, to to extend that logic further. AAG with their wave of games this year, they're doing the same thing, right? You know, you've got... Not with the track tile, though. You know, there's, there's obviously a, an value appraiser there from Scott. Scott must really like the classic track and must really detest Schuomorphic or hasn't thought about it. I don't know. But the point being is with the board, okay? You've got a high art side, You've got a classic side.
1: It's, it's interesting with 18 Chesapeake because I haven't actually seen the final product yet. Just kind of looking online, there wasn't a massive difference between the two, was there? Have you, have you seen it in person yet, Craig? The,
0: I have seen it in person. I'm actually sitting on your copy, Joe. There wasn't a massive difference. And I've, I've, I think I've said this elsewhere online. I felt like I'm banging a proverbial drum. I, I felt that actually if Scott had wanted to, the fact that he was providing a classic side probably gave him license to go even more wild with the arty side. Absolutely could have done, and it would have been totally legitimate because it would have been a case of everybody could have had their cake and ate it exactly how they liked. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the the ornamented side looks bad. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that he could have been more daring with it if he's so chosen because he's hedged. He's got the, he's got the, he's got the classic side on the reverse.
1: It's interesting though because it's been a mixture of releases. So we've had eighteen seventeen and eighteen Mex, but eighteen Mex definitely had the Deep Thought Games original graphics.
0: Licensing, strictly licensing. Uh, this is uh, this has already been posted elsewhere. So um, he, the licensing restrictions on D T G stuff predicates him towards producing it, uh, printing it that way.
1: But then. Actually, 1849, and we're looking at 1822 and 18 Ireland.
0: All all the board games. They're all AAG licences.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, But it's interesting because they're not double-sided. It is... There is one side. That's interesting. uh, Oh. There isn't the the classic, previously released version and the, again, um, in quotes, nicer version of the artwork. I think, actually... The new releases do look really good.
0: Some okay. Uh, the problem is, let's talk about nicer then or better. I think there's a few metrics to cut through here, right? That because... shows that I
1: haven't got a uh, a degree in art or design or anything that I'm using terms like nicer.
0: Didn't you teach media studies? Yeah, but but, but, but none of those people were employed, so it's fine. Yeah, but God life. no. Um, my point I want to make here on the nicer thing is, is something better this different stakeholders here right so a publisher depending on their values they might be playing the shift boxes game they might not necessarily be playing the shift boxes game but if they are playing the shift boxes game then tapping into a growing audience and selling as many units as possible might be an objective that will change what better is from a publisher perspective however they may feel that that new player pool is unlikely to convert into purchases anyway So they might want to keep an existing player pool that buys every title the second it goes up for pre-order they might want to keep those happy do you keep the existing fanatical base happy that typically not to a man but typically are happy with the way something looks in fact you have to assume they're happy with some the way something looks because they keep buying it do you keep them happy or do you go actually we're a tiny subset of a bigger audience how do i tap into that bigger audience so better is different depending who you ask definitely yeah
1: when you were talking about shifting boxes then at first i thought you were actually talking about changing the actual boxes because we've seen the mass-produced games from all aboard come with a new look haven't we with new full colour covers and titles that use a font that is broadly consistent across all the games. And they're kind of period illustrations. They feature a mix of industrial revolution factories and, and beautiful landscapes. Of course, I've seen arguments about specifics, whether this font should be used or not. But I think they do stand out on the shelf. They do look more inviting and ornamental. And I guess when you're doing, let's say, a Kickstarter campaign, a lot of it will be on those visuals, right? You're making your first impression, and you don't want people immediately closing that tab, you know?
0: You've got two minutes to get my attention. Yeah. At best, probably twenty seconds. If you don't, if you don't have a picture to show me, then.
1: I'm probably clicking next, right I just wonder though, like I was talking earlier, like how how do you discover A xx is the artwork that important? Is it like you know we need better art because um that will uh, drive participation
0: from I, a yes. wider yeah, yeah. set of audiences i would i I would say this right historically it was you people came into it the way you're talking about, right. But now people are coming into it via the means of Kickstarter, you know, like just the oh Kickstarter promotes. They're gonna be coming into it via by way of EFCO and big mainstream channels. So maybe we need to be looking at the product in terms of the way people are coming in. You talk about that. We assume that people come in from a certain route. I don't think they necessarily are going to be coming in from that route.
1: Just just thinking about all the people that who I have played 18xx, with. not all the people, but a lot of the local people, the people I know, is, it's been through my, my enthusiasm. And I've been playing on maybe products that don't look that great, that didn't meet the standards of professional manufactured products board games. I think it was the fact that I it was I was selling the game. And when you're playing this game, the fact that it doesn't look fancy or nice, it doesn't matter because the experience is not that object. It's, it's the players around the table. And I think there's a lot more value in, I don't know, people discussing and talking about it. And I think there's a lot more chat about it these days. It has entered more the mainstream kind of awareness because more media is covering it and we're getting more and more media about board games. I'm just just I'm just wondering, really, does compared to that, compared to friends and uh, reviewers and the media talking about this, does the artwork, is that really a massive thing to people? I, I don't know like it, it it wasn't for me that's what I'm saying it it just wasn't the barrier I by
0: the... I I think Michaela I I think it's we discussed the other barriers I don't think the art is the biggest barrier by a long shot for having the time and access to titles is a bigger barrier to, by my appraisal but surely you've experienced the I'm going to call it stigma and I mean I use that in the loosest possible sense you're sitting there playing you winsome, you know, with your craft paper shares and your misshapen cubes, general gaming and event, and someone comes by and, go, and looks at that and goes, "Oh, is that a prototype?" Core cool, that looks dry. Now, and, and and then your advocacy superpower draws them in, and, and then they've walked off and they've gone to play something drawn <laughs> by Ian O'Toole, right? Um, mm. Or maybe your advocacy superpower has worked and it's drawn them in. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be better if you didn't have to work as hard on that to like? upsell them past the look it's a question not a statement like that's the value of the thing looking more conventional is that people aren't intimidated by it oh that looks like something else that i have managed to take on maybe the rumors of this thing being very difficult or you know or complicated or whatever are overblown i've played euro x here and that doesn't look... Uh, so, and that doesn't look too different to it, so I'll play Train Game Why, you know. And I think that's part, that's part of the beauty of the Iron Rail series, right?
1: Yeah. I just... I just... I just... I just... Just wondered... Just... I don't know. It just seems, from my point of view, just a bit uh, superficial.
0: And I'm just... Oh, you're so judgy.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just wondering, though. But it... What, you were, everyone, everyone appreciates the experience of a board game and they're looking for different experiences. Why isn't, then, that experience valued? Why is it we're looking at the board? Why aren't we talking to the players and saying, what do you get out of this game? Do you see what I mean? I know
0: what, I know what you mean. You're bemoaning the fact that people are... Um, that some people may grade a gaming experience um, or judge a book by its cover, essentially. Look at the, look at the cover and make assumptions about experience but we all do it joe we all do it and you know what i'm going to be honest i see it as a benefit that i don't have to apologize for how irish gauge looks when it's on the table okay because i'm tired of having that conversation of oh is that a prototype and now some people don't care they don't see any value in the thing not looking like a prototype um, i was speaking to um jc lawrence online the other day about this um Provide a Twitter account, and he was saying, Yeah, my response is to say, Yep, no extra stuff here, it's great, essentially. You know, and he's fine with that. I I kind of like I I get frustrated when you see someone approach the table and then do the old Homer retreat into the bushes thing. Um, oh my God, what have I walked into? But then on the flip side, right? It's just so it's all about bets, right? Because what's attractive to, to the majority or to or to a certain audience isn't necessarily attractive to all audiences. I remember playing 1822 Canada in um, UK Games Expo on the public tables with Dave and Lindsay actually, and we had loads of people showing an interest partly because of the sheer scale of the darn thing partly because of the lo fi looks right mm-hmm. partly because we're all sitting there doing our thinker poses <laughs> you know um as I always do when I'm playing 18xx hence why I take the drugs to reduce the stiffness and um yeah i mean look it's you can't apply universal values to this stuff because there's so many so many subjectives it's a it's a numbers game in the sense that certain styles of art shift more units mm. and great, I guess, less cognitive jarring
1: yeah i guess i'm not i don't get offended nor do i feel annoyed when someone brings that up in a conversation if that's you know that looks like a prototype then that gives me an opportunity to say don't worry about how this looks to you this is the game experience and then i can really sell it to them if they're if they're purely if they're purely put off by how the game looks then maybe they are not the, the right kind of player who wants to play that kind of game anyway. Uh, Open to the experience I think would be a, a nice
0: way of putting that. Yeah, I, yeah, sure. The problem is, right, it's hard enough to get this can sound really wet and w- wet and naff, right? Everybody wants to take their turn having their game to the table, right? Don't they? You know, on games night, it's your turn to pick a game or whatever and you put the thing on the table and then you're having to hard sell it even though it's your turn. Oh, this isn't a prototype, is it? Mm. Oh God! It's not another janky prototype right? No, 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 this is a published game by Winsome. It's well received. I paid ninety pounds for this because that's all you can get it for on the second hand market. it's Dutch intercity, whatever you know mm-hmm. i wish I wish I owned that. The point I'm making is i'm not I'm not offended by it. But I appreciate its absence, if that makes sense. You know, when you stick it, when you stick Irish gauge on the table, people aren't. It's pro- okay. Here's an example of what it is. It's priming. When it looks like a prototype, people assume they're going to have a negative experience. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, I get. Uh, yeah, I get that. If something isn't fully fully formed yet, potentially, that's the the prejudice. That could be in their heads. Yeah, I guess it's not. They didn't
0: even pay for art. How good can this actually be? Whereas you stick Irish Gauge on the table or Ride the Rails, and none of that stuff's there. It's just a game. You know, it's just a game held as a first-class citizen next to Catan, next to Tracherion, next to whatever. Right? Don't get me wrong. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not. I'm not got a massive hang-up about it. What I'm saying is, is that if I could have more approachability without damaging the pars ability,
1: yeah. I'll take it with both hands. Sure. Why can't it be packaged in a way that allows you to show it off, I guess, or to feel special, I guess, rather than a flat piece of paper on perspex chucked on top or whatever i kind of see that
0: it makes it makes make some heavy assumptions that more ornamentation equals good because that's the wider industry trend it makes some heavy assumptions there right because actually you look at the whole jc lawrence style of design of 18xx he comes at it from the other side what if i make no compromises this is a direct quote by the way so a tribute uh, with not a direct quote, a paraphrase. What if I make no compromises and I start with parsability, 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 and anything that inhibits parsability just goes out the window, and it's just flat white paper, right?
1: I do think 1828. I don't, honestly, I just think it's beautiful. I really do, because it's so clear and so crisp. Yeah, and that's 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 totally legitimate. That's totally legitimate. It's just just pure. Just you know, pure. This is the game. This is uh, there are no flourishes. There's no need for any ocean <laughs> you know but like, even though this is the coastline you know I, I don't know there's something just so pure about it that i i think personally it looks like stunning it look it really stands out
0: you you know i don't disagree with you but here's the here's the thing i uh here's the thing i would say he says broaching disagreement um no i'm, I'm actually gonna di- agree with you right Look at IKEA, by example. Okay, no one is looking at their Billy bookcase saying, "Oh, you know what that needs? It needs a bit more filigree, and it needs a gargoyle hanging off the edge. And wouldn't it be and wouldn't it be cute if I had a little drawing of a dog winking at you?" you know, <laughs> there's, a pure, there's a sometimes there's a purity in less, and a visual beauty in less.
1: Yeah, there's probably some kind of artistic. Term for that. Which, oh, which, you mean, well, you mean minimalism? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. There
0: you go. So you got to remember, like when we're talking about this art piece, Joe, and and audience, and secret audience who may or may not be listening, um, that we are talking about better inverted commas, or in the sense of making assumptions that the majority of the audience are looking for something that's not jarring to them, and we're positing or working off the assumption that more ornamentation is kind of the standard.
1: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm going with that. Uh, of course, I, no, no, I,
0: I... we wouldn't. And I know you're going with that. What I'm saying is that it's good to cycle, circle back, and say, but remember, that's an assumption we're making, right? It's not a universal truth. It's a value that we're assuming for the purposes of this podcast. It doesn't mean all people like more ornamentation, and will find something that I call austere. Well, they might find it like you say, pure. At different times, depending what I need out of the experience, I might find the more austere version better. You know, like I'll give an example of what I mean there, right? I talked about the solo game right when i'm only to say solo game the one-off game i'm hosting some friends and it's going to be an extended session we don't care about the play pace too much as long as it's fast enough to be fun i've probably got a higher tolerance for ornamentation that may reduce passability a little bit such as a broggles redraw or core um, 1830 by lookout i probably have more tolerance for ornamentation and slight non-standardization in that setting and then i do when i go to chattanooga and i have to play four games in a day or want to play four to five games in a day and actually, I am at maximum cognitive load. In every game, I've got a briefing where I've got to absorb a new set of deltas and rules changes versus the standard system. And the last thing I need is oh, by the way, that smudge there on the map—it's not actually a doink; it's a smudge. Oh, and that board—can you make sure you see that impenetrable, that impassable border? And oh, oh, we've got pink in this game. Why? Well, it's just pink instead of green. It's fun, right? You know, I don't. In that setting i do not appreciate something you know that's ornamented i appreciate something that's austere and looks like an abstract because i that stage my priority is to be able to switch between titles quickly and excessive ornamentation is an impediment to that At chattanooga speaking for myself obviously can't speak for anybody else or try not to i was able to hop between five different games in a day or four different games in a day of a weight and duration that I could not possibly achieve hobby gaming convention with heavy Euros. Mm, when you're having because the, to... Because the, be, well, the teacher would be three times as long yes. for, equivalent, for yeah. equivalent depth. And the system is in part to thank for that, right?
1: Are you talking about the rule set now? Or are you...
0: No, I'm talking about anchors. I'm talking yeah. about the the visual system. Yes. Yeah, okay, right? yeah. yellow, yellow is always first. Green is always second. Brown is always this. The off-boards are always some shade of red. They don't have a picture of Rick Astley over them. You know...
1: You know... It, the, I, I really <laughs> want to see that now. I really want to see uh, 18 Rick Astley. <laughs>
0: 18 Astley. Um, well, I played I played 18 Alex at Chattanooga, so it's not too short, yeah, 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 is it? Yeah. Just change a few characters. Um, though the, the point I'm making is that, you know, sure, the off-board might look better in a Salmon, but if the salmon is somewhere in between red and brown, is it a salmon or is it a brown? Can I run through it? There's things where maintaining the standards removes ambiguity for the existing player base. And actually, if you're a player, you're a new player, and you come back a few times, guess what? You're part of the existing player base and you get to benefit from this standardisation.
1: Yeah, sure. And actually, does that then make it more approachable? It it does, right? Maybe not initially in that turn. Of- kind of it hasn't wowed us when we first sat down but actually you might learn with one group in one convention your first 18xx but actually feel more confident going into your next convention meeting a whole load of other strangers and actually yeah yeah yeah.
0: is it is it a link Ah, so i think it's not a That's not unapproachable, I would say. it's Actually, you could argue, if we wanted to split hairs, I think you could argue that's a form of accessibility because it provides you with a lingua franca, right?
1: Hmm. Yeah, the language. So we talked about language earlier. Yeah, you're right. So if you're presenting the same visual language each time, then yes, yeah, is that accessibility? I guess so.
0: I mean, look, this is a living conversation, right, Joe? I'd I'd like to, to make it clear, on these podcasts where they're like this... (laughs)
1: The standards have definitely dropped for this episode. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) What what I
0: mean is, when they are concepts as opposed to titles, these tend to be, for want of a better term, voyages of self discovery, inverted commas, to use a wet language. Uh, uh you know i am exploring the space as we go through it yeah
1: yeah me right. too uh there is no script
0: <laughs> well you know it's, it's a case of it's a case of i'm happy to be wrong right if someone wants to tell me why something i've posited, posited is universally wrong hopefully wrong but interesting mm. then um let me know well right? please I mean, send that's...
1: your barrage of angry tweets to the train rush Okay.
0: i'll drop that <laughs> yeah to... carry on <laughs> um, so look um I'd love to actually talk directly to Efka and have the chat and yeah and chat through and understand his position on it, like live. So I'm going to try and Iron Man. Oh God, a <laughs> as a character. I'm going to try and steal Man his position sure. in good faith because it's the best I can do. Absentia.
1: I want I want you to Iron Man it. Well,
0: I'll put on a big old suit and uh, <laughs> but it'll be but it will be green, yellow, and brown. Um, not 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 in that order. Um, with harsh black lines. No. So look, I'm going to try and steal Man the position right. Is, or more to the point, at least ask the question in good faith, Joe. Could you see an argument for the art being so different from mainstream art, enabling or being a form of gatekeeping?
1: Is it designed in a way to prevent people from playing the game? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you ask?
0: Well, you can you can interpret that how you like. It's
1: the fact that the community, the a x community, are putting pressure on the publishers to remain the same is that the kind of gatekeeping being questioned i guess so
0: yes is yes is the strong advocacy for trying to retain inertia is that a form of gatekeeping is the fact that the older titles like 1846 actually isn't that old the fact they look how they do is that a form of gatekeeping i mean do you know what i think actually i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest i think maybe it is but not in the way not in the sin- not in the nasty way, you might think. Normally when people talk about gatekeeping, right, they talk about, I want to keep this audience as it is. I don't want anybody else in. That's not... I've not heard that directly as an argument. I really haven't. But I did hear earlier in the podcast from you, Joe.
1: Hmm. Oh, no. What have I said? <laughs> I
0: know, mate. I know. Uh, God, I'll give you Joe's email at the end of the podcast. You said, if somebody is going to judge an austere game by the way it looks, maybe they're not open to the experience okay you know okay. it's a hard experience anyway 18xx is brutal I, well
1: i don't i don't think it is a hard experience really and, well, i mean okay
0: well I, i'm i'm positing this now joe i'm not going <laughs> to okay good, good, good. Okay. Oh, So uh, i'll go from joe mode to craig mode i will take the flame for this right okay. 18xx can be a hard experience anyway you've got companies being dumped on you you've got companies being stolen you can end up bankrupt we're not all going to sit at the end staring at our little pile of victory points to say, "Oh, didn't we all do well?" Not necessarily, right? So, if the game presents itself like a multiplayer solitaire type Euro where we're all going to have fun irrespective of how we perform, but actually it is eighteen XX, are you doing the audience a service? And pff, is that a form of gatekeeping, like saying, "Actually, I think that's a good thing. It doesn't pre- it doesn't present as something it's not." Is that a form of gatekeeping, or is that actually okay? I, I, I I'm I vacillate between those points. I I want people to try it. By the same measure, I don't want to be like one of those conversations that you see on Reddit. How do I con my wife into playing games? I don't want to con anybody into playing 18xx for what it isn't either. It's a math puzzle. It's It's a nodal math puzzle. So to a certain extent, it's nice that it looks like a nodal math puzzle.
1: There's no surprises when you play it. You raise a good point. And returning to something you said earlier a term that's often thrown at economic games, people might say it looks like a spreadsheet. And maybe the way the games are presented does remind people of their day job or their financial worries. And for them, they wish board games to be their escapism. Maybe people have had bad experiences of mathematics at school. Do people really want to be under pressure to make calculations while all their friends stare At them waiting for their turn people might think that these games are inaccessible for them now when it comes to it the maths isn't difficult the game doesn't expect anyone to complete quadratic equations in their head in under 10 seconds but maybe it's an area of approachability that can be worked on by graphic designers. If there are clear trackers that support quick division of revenue or uh, multiplication tables that allow you to see the totals needed to par at particular values for instance then conversely maybe peppering the entire board with even more numbers is only going to serve to kind of amplify that spreadsheet anxiety
0: i i i I agree and also there's another thing around about approachability right although you and i okay i'm gonna i'm gonna posit this i think there's a moral imperative to try and make games accessible within the constraints of what's realistically possible for a person stroke publisher to achieve and we're
1: talking about accessible now not i think
0: accessible is a moral imperative for that okay someone else use that term i use adam kramer use that term okay i like it it's good term. you know our ability to be able to try and hit the 100 percent accessible will vary by what kind of experience we're trying to create what financial tools we have in the in the toolbox all sorts of things but accessibility is broadly trying to hit it is laudable right Mm. is there a moral imperative to be approachable do you have to make things for the broadest audience possible
1: Maybe that's just how we should end this podcast, just on that question. Does a board game publisher need to satisfy the desires of the widest possible audience?
0: But then, you know, hey, I'd love to ha- have this conversation more, be it on Twitter, be it on another podcast, be it...
1: Craig's desperate. Just, he wants to be on any podcast. Please, no, no, please no, no. invite him onto any podcast. No, no, He'll no, be no. on it.
0: No, not like that. No no no. Another one of our podcasts or or a live cast or whatever. Where, wherever the appropriate medium to have a conversation is. But it's yeah, I mean look, I've 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 exp- I think I've spent all my um views over this podcast. Folks, thank you for spending the time listening to us. Ramble about this. I appreciate that it's long and it lacks structure. But the thing is, I guess realistically, we want to be timely, right? I wanted to capture this whilst this was fresh in both of our minds, and to a certain extent, the uh, structure, um, stroke, approachability had to uh, be sac- had to be sacrificed to make that happen.
1: I suppose one aspect that we could have expanded on is um, how publishers could uh, continue to progress graphic design. Um, for instance, inclusion of player aids or clearly formatted tables or visual reminders of phase changes and the effect on rusting and tile availability, for example, Um, and how the designer rule books with Picture examples could be improved to enable first time players to learn the game and form their own local groups of players rather than uh, feel the need to seek out a scary, unapproachable train gaming teacher uh, You know, to, to feel more confident about uh, tackling 18xx independently.
0: Well, let's well let's let's do something there then now, right? Uh, that's that helps because I think that's been done better elsewhere anyway, right? So I'll say done better elsewhere. I think there's better mediums for delivering conversations about specific elements of graphic design. If if you wish to take a look at the work that Joshua Starr has been doing to revisit these concepts for xX. Do go and seek his work on Medium. I believe if you go to Grand Trunk Games website, he links off a load of his articles there. Um the Kickstarter updates for the 1861 Stroke 67 Kickstarter have been ins- insightful. Whether you're backing it or not, I think they're actually a reasonable read if you're interested in this sort of thing. If you care to, take a look at a game from this year, take a look at a game from five years ago, take a look at a game from five years before that. And you'll see there's, you know, there's an evo- there's a slight evolution of the form, but it will give you some context for the kind of work that's been done to date. If you want to talk to us directly and engage privately, then then bang us an email. Craig at the com. Joe doesn't have one, but if you put FAO Joe, I'll um, try my best not to read too much of it and send it to Joe. Okay. Um, send
1: your abuse to Craig. He'll yeah, not filter it and send it directly to me.
0: Indeed. I said all the abusive ones. Oh, this one's for you, Joe. Um, and look, I appreciate that Joe, especially, me maybe, probably sound like absolute buffoons on this subject. And there may be more educated minds on it on, it, on this than us. Love to hear from you. You know, I'm always game to learn. Have, thanks for joining us, folks. So it's a goodbye from me.
1: And uh, goodbye from me.
0: You've been listening to The Train Rush. If you'd like to talk to the people behind the show, you can reach us on Twitter, at The Train Rush. You can engage with us via pictures using Instagram, the underscore train underscore rush. You can contact us on Facebook, search for The Train Rush. Alternatively, you can email us, craig at thetrainrush.com or dave at thetrainrush.com. If you prefer your engagement as more of an open forum, why not come to our Board Game Geek Guild, number 3342. Thank you for listening.